The Fertility Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of The Fertility Podcast. If this is the first time that you've listened to The Fertility Podcast, welcome. This podcast is for people who are trying to start a family or have a family and are trying to have another child and are struggling, whether it's unexplained infertility, whether you know that there's an issue, we're all affected so much more than we realise. And the idea of this podcast is to have chats with experts and also to hear your stories and hopefully just give more of a voice to what is still a taboo subject. So I hope that uh, you've had a listen to other episodes. If not, you can download them on the fertilitypodcast.com website or you can subscribe in iTunes. It'd be great to hear what you think either on the website or on iTunes because this podcast is for you and um, any comments and feedback that you have are, are really welcomed. Now, this podcast was actually due to be aired in March. However, I was a bit busy having a baby, so it's been re-edited. It's a chat that I had with Susan Seenan, who's the Chief Executive of Infertility Network UK, and she's the co-chair of Fertility Fairness. And when we spoke, Susan and her team were having a parliamentary reception to lobby Parliament to get some form of regulation about what we know as the postcode lottery. Now, all will be explained if you've never heard the term postcode lottery in the podcast that follows. But this has struck me as such a poignant thing as I've just literally had a conversation with a very close friend of mine who has had her third ectopic pregnancy. And as a result of that, has had both of her tubes removed and has been told that she will now have to have IVF if she wants to have a family, which she does. However, as soon as she was told that she was eligible for IVF on the NHS because of the surgery that she'd had, she was then told that due to being in Nottingham, which is where she is, and being over 35, that's over 35, she wouldn't be eligible. Now, she's currently going through uh, further conversations to find out exactly what the criteria is. I was amazed that Nottingham CCG has actually said only under a certain age are you eligible for IVF. Whereas it's more commonly thought that you're more likely to get pregnant under 35 and it's over 35 that it starts to get more tricky. So why put the cap on that? I'm completely bewildered by this. And um, if you have found yourself in a similar situation affected by this postcode lottery, please do take note from what was discussed with Susan in the upcoming podcast. And I'll put all sorts of links in the show notes as to how you can get involved lobbying your MP, whether it's on Twitter or writing letters. There's all sorts of templates that Fertility Fairness offer, which, like I say, I'll, I'll put the links on the show notes. So without further ado, this is episode 17 of the Fertility Podcast. Interviews with fertility experts on the Fertility Podcast. Welcome back, Susan Seenan, who has her Fertility Fairness hat on. Susan's also the Chief Executive Officer of Infertility Network UK, and there's a great interview with her about the vital work she does for Infertility Network UK in Episode 2. Susan, welcome to the Fertility Podcast. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, Natalie. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Now, I'm going to jump straight into one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you because a lot of people know that Fertility Fairness uh, fly the flag for the postcode lottery, which there's all sorts of information about on your website. And I was watching the video that yourself and Sarah Norcross have got there and it really explains the issue as well. And we're going to put a link to that in the show notes after we've chatted. If this is the first time people have heard about the term postcode lottery, it's referring to depending on where you live, your eligibility for rounds of IVF treatment or fertility treatment. Because at the moment, 
it changes. It chops and changes from where you live, which just seems ridiculous, despite there being extensive research from organisations like NICE uh, highlighting the effectiveness of more cycles. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, We have in England at the moment a situation where some of the clinical commissioning groups, the CCGs, are funding the three full cycles which are recommended by NICE. And if they can fund three cycles, then we don't see any reason why the rest of the country can't fund three cycles. The three cycles recommended by NICE, um, and that's three full cycles, not just three fresh cycles, um, the recommendation is made on the basis of both cost and clinical effectiveness. And there's huge reasons why people should be offered three full cycles. It's much more effective um, clinically, so there's a much better chance of a successful outcome. But actually, even cost effective, it's better to offer three cycles because offering just one cycle, first cycle is not always successful. But if you go on and offer a second cycle, an awful lot of people will end up with a successful outcome. And that's the most important thing. And cutting costs in one area um, just simply leads to more issues for the CCGs and other areas because they, they don't join up their thinking and that's what we're trying to get them to see. If they, if they would fund three full cycles, lots of people would be successful on the first or the second. Not many would need the third cycle, but they would have less cost in terms of treating people for perhaps mental health issues because fertility issues have a huge impact on people's mental health. So we want them to, to cleverly commission, pay the proper price for the cycle of IVF treatment and, and not two and three times what some CCGs are offering and be able to treat everybody that, that needs treated. One of the uh, areas that we've talked about quite a bit on the Fertility Podcast in episode 12 and 14 is about kind of mindfulness and your emotional well-being. And I know personally, as someone who had funding and was offered three cycles, luckily, the stress was reduced because even though we hoped it would work first time, there was that, well, we've got two more goes at it. And it, it seems that that stress and the link between your emotional health has, has massive consequences, which do you think the CCGs or even the GPs have any idea about? Unfortunately, Natalie, I think a lot of them just really don't have a clue. Um, we know what it's like. We know the impact of only being funded for one cycle of treatment. Um, lots of people will be successful in the first, but lots won't, and they'll need the second, and a few will need a third cycle. But just knowing, as you say, that you have that second and third chance at it can make a massive difference to how you cope with your cycle. Um, and yes, there's a massive link between the mind and the body, And knowing that the pressure isn't on you to be successful first time, although you certainly hope that it will, um, can make a big difference to the the outcome of your first cycle of treatment. The GPs don't see that. The clinical commissioning groups, the people who actually commission funding, um, actually don't understand the whole impact of fertility problems in the first place in in some occasions. And we want them to understand the massive impact that fertility problems have on people. And, and this is, is the problem, isn't it, that, that fertility fairness and, and other kind of lobbying groups are finding in that the, it's almost as if the research isn't being taken seriously. NICE have done extensive research most recently in 2013, yet I know in the video on the Fertility Fairness website you talk about there being further investigations being done rather than taking on board what's already been proven. 
Yes, I think the CCGs across England, um, some will offer three full cycles, some will only offer one cycle, but some only offer a fresh cycle and they don't replace any frozen embryos. And that can make a massive difference as well. You have to be in a position where you're getting full funding, for instance, to be completely comfortable with the best possible option for most people, which is a single embryo being transferred. If the CCGs are fully funding, patients are more likely to accept that a single embryo transfer and the hopeful outcome of one single healthy baby is the best outcome from their treatment. But if you're only getting one fresh cycle, people are saying, well, why should I have just one embryo transferred if they're not going to, if they're not going to transfer my frozen embryos? So let's just have two embryos transferred, please. And then they run the risk of twins or possibly more. Um, yeah. And the the dangers that come with a multiple pregnancy. So again, the CCGs are making issues for themselves sometimes when they're not fully funding the, the recommended treatment by NICE. What do you say to the fact that in Scotland and Northern Ireland, it's more commonplace that the three cycles are offered when England is where IVF was kind of started, you know, and and the the it just seems that there's the least support coming, even compared to Europe. In the devolved nations, because health is a devolved issue, they can make their own decisions. So across Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland, it's not perfect, but there are no regional variations. So it doesn't matter where you live in Scotland, you get access to the same level of treatment. At the moment, it's two full cycles, but there's also a standard set of criteria. So there's no difference in either the number of cycles or the access criteria. And the national group in Scotland at the moment is looking at hopefully introducing a third cycle now that they have the waiting lists down. So access across Scotland is at least equitable. Um, Wales is the same. It's two cycles in Wales at the moment. Again, we're going to be pushing for a third cycle there, but there's no variation in the access criteria. And in Northern Ireland, again, it's the same. Unfortunately, it's only one cycle there just now. Um, although they do treat people who have a child, um, an existing child within the relationship. But again, at least it's equitable across the country. What's wrong in England is that we have the national recommendation for three full cycles, which was backed up last year by the um, publication of the NICE Quality Standard, which reinforced the fact that the CCGs should be funding three full cycles. And yet it depends on your postcode and access to any medical treatment shouldn't depend on where you live. That's just completely, it's ridiculous. I think you used that word at the beginning. It is ridiculous that that's how people are being treated. It's such a frustrating thing when it seems so obvious to just do it. But do you think that still we have this issue with infertility not being considered uh, as important enough as other illnesses that are treated on the NHS. Do you think we're still having to overcome that hurdle? I think we are. Fertility problems are not seen as a priority by some of the CCGs, um, but also they're not, they're not commissioning cleverly enough. They're paying too much for a cycle in some areas. The, the research done by Fertility Fairness showed that some CCGs were paying around about two and a half, three thousand pounds for a cycle. Some were paying six, some were paying seven, and one was paying ten for the same level of treatment. So if, wow. if they could, if, they, if we had a standard tariff and a standard set of access criteria where everybody was treated the same um, and the CCGs were paying the same amount, which was a reasonable amount for a cycle, then the CCGs could actually treat more people. They could offer three full cycles across the country. Um, and I think our, you know, our campaign is not going to stop until we actually get that in England. 
I'd mentioned um, before when we were chatting about the e-petition you've also got, which I know you've explained might not be the best um, the best method, but is it still worth people having a look at the e-petition and, and putting their name on it? Yes, if we, the more people that can put their name on the e-petition, then the more weight that carries. And, and we can highlight that again as an, an example of how many people are affected um, and want us to do something about the postcode lottery. It, we need standard criteria across England. We need three full cycles funded. And we will get that, but we will get it when everybody joins together and campaigns with us for this particular outcome. Um, it's only right, which it, it shouldn't matter where you live. You shouldn't be discriminated against because that's what it is. We're mm. not treating people fairly. You know, that's the treating people fairly is what we should be doing. That's what the NHS should be doing. And this is not treating people fairly. We're discriminating against them because of where they live, because they may have a child from a previous relationship, because of their age or some other personal circumstances. And that's wrong. We have to stop doing that. One last thing that I just wanted to gauge from you is how much support do you feel you get from GPs? Do you think GPs understand the issue enough to be kind of advocates for what you guys are trying to achieve? I think some GPs do understand there are a lot of sympathetic GPs out there. I think part of the problem with GPs is actually that they don't often see um, that. Well, they see so many people with so many different complaints and so many issues that, you know, they're trying to be very generalist and they don't always understand the problems that people are facing with fertility treatment. You know, it's not it's not every day that they see somebody presenting with fertility treatment, whereas they perhaps do for, for other complaints. So um, I think some of them are very sympathetic, but I think some of them are very ill-informed. I think that's the problem. Um, and what we would like is to see more GPs actually knowing at least where to come to, to find out the information that could help the patients and then referring them in time for the treatment that could help them. Because treated, treated quickly, fertility can be treated very very well um, where you have delays with GPs not understanding not referring people in time um, putting making them wait for an extra year or two when actually perhaps they're already in their mid-30s and a delay just just doesn't help that's not helpful and I think GPs don't always have all the information to make the right decisions for the patients because also I would have thought that the less your GP, it seems that they understand, the more likely you are to go private and, and then overlook the opportunity to get funding. I think that's a good point. Sometimes GPs don't even realise that it can be treated on the NHS um, and that it should be treated on the NHS. And sometimes the patients get to the stage where they are just so frustrated and they feel as though they're getting absolutely nowhere that they, they do opt to just go privately. Um, and that's fine if, you know, if people can afford to do that, but there are a lot of people out there who are not in a position to pay for private treatment. And let's face it, private treatment costs a lot more to an individual than the NHS treatment costs the NHS. Mm. Just finally, do you think that the issue of infertility being taboo is still affecting people's willingness to, to speak out, to lobby, to tweet their MPs? Or do you think that now people are finding that with the power of social media, they can, you know, make their point? I mean, we know there's a huge infertility kind of network on Twitter who have a pretty powerful voice. Um, do you think people are getting better at actually saying, you know, what they really feel out there? I think they are. And I think social media is making a massive difference there. Um, it, it used to be people were very reticent to talk about their fertility problems. 
Um, some people still are, because at, at the end of the day, it's a very personal and private subject. If, you, if you're going to try for a baby, you don't tell the world that that's what you're mm-hmm. doing in your bedroom at night. So why would you want to share that with everybody? It's a difficult issue to talk about, but actually it's good to talk about it because it lets more people understand that actually around one in six couples struggle. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It, it's a medical problem, the same as any other medical issue. There is help out there whether it's medical help or emotional support that you can actually get. You don't have to suffer in silence. And I think the more that people do actually open up and talk about it in whatever way, the better. Um, and the, the more people will accept that actually it is OK to talk about fertility. It used to be we didn't talk about mental health problems at all. Now it's acceptable to talk about mental health issues. Yeah. And it should be the same with fertility problems. Right. So we're going to encourage everybody to just speak up, to tweet their MPs, uh, to tweet at F Fairness, which is the App Fertility Fairness Twitter handle, which will be on the show notes. Well, we've been campaigning for a very long time. Is it 20 years that the campaign's been going on to get some equality? It's over 20 years, but it's right. come a long way in those 20 years. You know, if you go back 20 years, there was very little NHS treatment. Um, we've come a massive way with huge steps forward over the last few years. The nice recommendations, the nice quality standard, um, all these things have made a difference. And I think, you know, people opening up and talking about it and becoming more involved is making a difference as well. We've seen CCGs recently um, increase their provision. Unfortunately, we've also seen a few decrease their provision. But at the moment, across the whole of England, every CCG bar one is at least funding something. And the only CCG, and I'm going to name and shame them, is Mid-Essex because they are funding nothing other than, they say, in exceptional circumstances, which actually means they're not really funding anything at all. So they're they're the only place in England now that's not funding anything. But some are only funding one cycle and some just one fresh cycle. So we've got a long way to go. I don't think it will happen overnight, but we will keep campaigning until it does. Thank you for your time, Susan. Thank you, Natalie. So thank you as ever to Susan. Do let me know what you think about the podcast, either at thefertilitypodcast.com or you can leave a review in iTunes, which is massively appreciated. We're on Stitcher as well and TuneIn Radio. And you can tweet me at FertilityPoddy. If there's a particular issue that you'd like me to cover or if there's an expert that you'd like me to contact to interview, then just get in touch and let me know because what I'm looking to do in forthcoming episodes of this podcast is introduce something new which means you will be able to ask questions directly to certain experts they'll be recorded but then I will be able to put them to the experts and hopefully you'll then be able to hear from the horse's mouth so to speak so if that's something that you think would be of interest just put all your details uh, in the facilitypodcast.com where there's a sign up box and then I can keep tabs on you and you can keep tabs on me and we can be one lovely happy family so until the next time thanks for listening the fertility podcast